Welcome to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, featuring award-winning financial advisor and former host of the Sunday Money Show, News Talk 1010, Paul Baraka and his associate advisor, William Baraka. Creating and keeping wealth does not need to be complicated. Paul and William will cut through confusing and contradictory financial advice to give you the real facts to help you invest better and enjoy a worry-free retirement. The views and opinions expressed in this video may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Securities Corporation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. And welcome everyone to all of you who are either watching us on our YouTube channel or listening to us on one of the streaming services. This is episode number 32 of Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William. I'm Paul, and William is the other fine gentleman with me here. And today's topic is five tax ideas to pay, five ideas to pay less tax. And of course, we just finished tax season. People have done their tax returns, they've got that out of the way, they feel much better. We want to go through five items today that are we think are really important and can make a big, big difference in your tax return, especially if you're in a more complex situation and you're dealing with more money. So uh, again, the, this interesting thing about taxes, of course, again, I say all the time, the average Canadian pays more in tax than they do for shelter, clothing, and um, food combined. The, in all forms of tax, not just income tax, uh, HST, every kind of tax there is. That's from the Fraser Institute. So what can we do to help save some money in tax? First thing, William, really, is first thing, most people don't calculate their rate of return on their investments the right way. And I know this. In 32 years in this business, they're rarely done the right way. Well, we see it all the time, Paul. We talk about real estate a lot. And I think of people in real estate and their investments, they don't fully appreciate the real return that, that they made. And like you like you always say, the only important number is an after-tax number. Uh, oh, I love that phrase. Let's take do a quick example, because now things have changed with interest rates being much higher. Now you can go get a 5% GIC locked in for five years. Let's talk about the tax implication for a non-registered account. Let, we're going to assume about a 45% tax rate. Just a marginal tax bracket. Let's say you have a half a million bucks and you buy that five-year GIC, you say, wow, I'm getting 5% for five years. This is fantastic. Best thing since sliced bread. Okay, you're at 5% on that. At 45% tax, you're going to pay tax. 45% of your 5% is gone every year. At the end of 30 years, let's just use 30 years as a number to really show the big impact. After tax in 30 years, you're going to have $769,990. That's tax after tax. Now, let's say you can put that same money and defer tax. Earn the same 5%. Now, after 30 years, after tax, you have $1,032,500. That's $262,510 more, 97% more after tax profit. That is a very, very very big number. So again, you know, people buy it. And sometimes the GIC is a good thing to buy, by the way. If you have some yeah. short-term money and you need the money in six months a year, perfect solution. For long-term, for most people, I'm not sure if it's really a good solution. You know, it feel, it's like that candy bar you buy in a store. 
feels great. You keep doing that year after year, and you start saying, hey, I just had 10, 20 pounds. This isn't really very good. It's not good for my system. The GIC feels great to start, but down the road, it might cause you some indigestion. So again, really the, and by the way, the other thing too, I think you wanted to bring up, William, was the, I will deal with that later, the withholding tax, I think, right? By the way, just Morningstar did a tax cost ratio on all sorts of different funds and ETFs. And they found that the tax cost can be from anywhere from nothing every year, up to 7%. In other words, these are the taxable distributions. You really want to avoid that. So the wrong way to calculate the rate of return is just to look at your statement. The right way, look at your portfolio statement and your tax return. As you said, William, the only important dollar is in after tax, Paul. I love it. I love it. Let's move on to the second point. Yeah. So this is something, and you sent me an interesting piece on this, asset location versus asset allocation. Look, where your money is. Why don't you explain, you know, what, what does that mean, Well, Well, Paul, there's some, I guess maybe a common thing that some asset managers do or investors do, and they'll, they'll try and position their, their investments to be as tax efficient as possible. So for example, they might put all of their, so say you're a balanced investor overall, so that means 60% of your investments are in stocks and 40% is in fixed income. So you might try and put as much of their fixed income investments, bonds, interest-bearing investments, so on and so forth, in their registered account, because like we've been over with the GIC example, all interest income, it's very tax inefficient. It's taxed at your highest marginal rate. Yeah. So theoretically, it's better put, to put that in a registered plan, an RSP or a TFSA. And then they'll try and put, put all their, or as much of their uh, non-registered assets in us uh, in the stock uh, component of their portfolio. So those, you can try and defer capital gains. Um, and that's, again, theoretically more tax efficient. Yeah. Problem, of course, the problem that was brought up by that video you sent to me is that things change, right? We don't know how the regulations will change in the future. We don't know how tax rates will change. Yeah. We don't know where interest rates are going to be. Boy, interest rates have changed big time in the last year and a half. So yeah. All these things can change. Basically, do, doing that, Paul, sorry to interrupt, it's, sure. it's fine if you can accurately predict the future. So again, you're predicting out the yeah. rest of your investing life, yeah. whatever your time span is, it might be, you know, upwards of 70 years if you're really young, even 40 years if you're approaching retirement. But you don't know what, uh, like you kind of were, were referring to, you don't know um, what rates of return to use in the future over that 30 years. Just in the last year, like you were saying, a few, in the last decade, uh, fixed income investments were yielding very little. Now, GICs, fixed income bonds are yielding a lot more. That's yeah. just the end of a couple of years. We don't know what's going to happen to the tax code, again, projecting out 30, 40 years. There's a lot of talk then in the future, maybe the capital gains inclusion rate will change. Yeah. 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 If that were to happen, that would change a lot of the projections and maybe change um, how well your asset location actually works. So for, you know, for example, a couple of years ago, GIC paid 1%. Well, it didn't matter. You're not saving or earning much on it anyway, a lot of people put their growth investments in the registered plan 
now it makes maybe the, now the opposite maybe makes sense. So, and the thing is, as you, you can say, when you start changing things, because we don't know the future, it can cost you money. If it's, you know, you can, you can trigger uh, unwanted realized capital gains, a uh, trading cost. Uh, you want to be very careful about this. And according to what you sent me, there's really in the long term, there may not be much benefit in actually doing this. Yeah. So I think anyway. I think I think to wrap wrap it up before we move on, if you can do it very simply, cost efficiently and and, and time efficiently, for example, just make your TFSA um, more growth oriented. Again, assuming it's a long it's a long term investment for you, then okay, maybe it makes sense intuitively. Yeah. But it, it's not worth it. It's going to consume a lot of time and, and cost for you. Pro probably not worth it uh, in, in the long run. Yeah. One more quick thing there. A lot of people are doing this on their own. They, pro you know, we get to things sometime. Oh, I should make that change. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. That procrastination can cost you money too. Yeah. Better let's that move you're to just the next something. Yeah. Let's move on. So next thing is tax efficient investment selection number three. And I want to go into something we've talked about. I think we've done podcasts on this, the difference between passive and active investing. Passive investing is more like index, buying an index. And we're moving a lot of our practice anyway in this direction. It's cheaper. Statistically, it proves to outperform in the majority of cases in the majority of time. And it's lower turnover. So lower turnover than many active managers means lower taxable income. Again, What's the best way to calculate your real, real rate of return? Your portfolio statement and your tax return. So again, we like to focus on passive investments, less turnover, less annual taxation. Just seems to make more sense. Now for that too, we have a little an ongoing discussion about Canadian dividends. So, you know, as, as most people know, if you're in a lower tax bracket, if your income is less than about 93, 94,000, you'll pay less income, less tax on dividend income than capital gain. But of course, William, and that's true. However, there's another side to it, William. Well, and the other side is it's true that I, I suppose in your, in your immediate pocket, you pay less of it, but on an overall basis, you are paying the same amount of tax because there's an integration system in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, the reason there's a gross up on Canadian dividends is that public corporations pay their Canadian public corporations pay their dividends out of their after-tax profits. Yeah. So the only reason you get a gross up on the dividend you receive is because the money you receive has already been taxed. So at the corporate level, at yeah, the, the corporate, corporate level. So you're still being taxed on it. And if you look at the integration system across, even across all the different provinces in Canada, it tends to work out pretty well. In fact, in some cases for people in higher incomes, you could, if you combine the corporate rate and then the rate you pay, you, you end up paying even a higher rate than your highest yes. personal rate. So it's, it's a form of mental accounting, um, in, in my opinion, because you're, you're yeah. still paying it. You just don't see it. Yeah, very good description. It's a mental accounting. Depends on your perspective on it. So you just want to be aware of that. Again, that's where the planning aspect comes in. You really want to look, understand the difference. You and your advisor, does it make sense to take dividends? Does it not make sense? Should we generate capital gains? Whatever. Next item, number four on the list of five ways or five ideas to save on tax, and that's tax efficient rebalancing. 
What does that mean? I mean, rebalancing has been called the free lunch in terms of risk reduction and increasing returns. That's what big pension plans do. Um, they keep the asset allocation roughly the same, which means rebalancing. Uh, the problem being, of course, is that can for non-registered accounts, it creates a tax. Hey, I switched some money from here, put it over there. There's some unrealized gains. I just and figured I, that. Even, excuse me, even Paul in registered accounts, there's no tax considerations, but you still do have, do have to uh, keep in mind the trading costs of doing all that, that as well. That's right. That's right. So a, a, really a better way to do this is to do it with new money if you can you know, add money in to rebalance things. Most people, if you're not retired, you add new money in on a regular basis. And the other thing you really want to be careful, make sure you're taking advantage of all tax loss harvesting. In other words, last year, we, with our clients anyway, we did a lot of uh, positions say, hey, you know, we're down a bit here. Let's trigger that capital loss. Now we can use that to reduce or eliminate capital gains tax somewhere else. So make sure you're taking advantage of capital loss, ideally rebalance using new money. And you should rebalance even if you can't do it with new money, but don't yeah. do it needlessly because of moderate short-term volatility. You should have a systematic approach with parameters on what Absolutely. you do it, but don't do it just all the time because of every little change in the market. Have parameters on when to do it. And that might be for six months or every year, something like this. By the way, you want to keep in mind, if you don't, some people avoid it because they'll have that one position, that stock or whatever that's done really well, and they don't want to sell it. And all of a sudden, that stock or position starts to become a bigger and bigger part of their portfolio. That adds significant risk. Most people don't want to take too much risk, so don't get greedy there. Let's move on. Number five, and this is something... Collaboration with clients account, I don't see this too often. I mean, we try and do this certainly with our, our larger clients, business owner clients. We need the accountant's input. We do different things. There's some areas of overlap. Uh, they're not trained on selecting investments, selecting tax efficient investments, looking at things like individual pension plans. That's not their expertise, but they have areas of expertise uh, you know, keeping track of that capital dividend account if you're a business owner, things like this, that, that that's outside of the realm of your financial advisor for the most part. So again, if you're in it, you know, if you're in a simple situation, this probably isn't that important. But if you have, you know, a good amount of money, if you're a business owner, your advisor should be going back and forth with the account. Say, hey, here's an idea we're thinking, does this fit in? Uh, and again, where this comes yeah. in a lot is with in the, the right circumstances. It's important. Yeah. In the right circuit. If your situation is simple, not necessary. But this can be a huge, huge value added for uh, for um, for making sure Investors. you do the right things. So let's let just a quick summary. We had five ideas yeah. of, you know, how to save some taxes. One, make sure you're calculating your rate of return the right way. You always want to look at your tax return also. Look at the asset allocation. In other words, does it make sense to try and put higher tax investments in one, lower tax in another? Long run, we're not really sure that makes that is really worthwhile. Number three, make sure you take the tax efficient investment selections, things like choosing passive uh, investments over active, making sure you're on the right side in terms of dividends from Canadian corporations. 
Number four, tax efficient rebalancing. Ideally, uh, again, we're talking with non-registered money, ideally with new funds, rebalance with new funds, make sure you're doing your tax loss harvesting. And the last item, number five, collaboration. When you're in any type of sophisticated situation or your business owner, your advisor needs to talk to the accountant. The accountant needs to talk to the advisor. So that's it for today's show, guys. Hey, next program, next podcast is five common expensive investment misconceptions. A really interesting topic. Wanna, if you like what you heard here, hey, subscribe to us. Please rate us. Only rate us if you want to say something nice. Give us the five stars and pass us on to other interested parties. And of course, if you if there's some particular topic you'd like us to talk about, or you'd like to have a chat about your situation, you're not sure you're going in the right direction financially, just send us an email at info at westendwealth.com. Info at westendwealth.com. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by West End Wealth Planning, an award-winning wealth planning practice catering to small and medium-sized business owners and to those looking to create a worry-free retirement for themselves and their families. To learn more, go to westendwealth.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.